You're listening to the Soul Care Podcast. I'm Elaine Hamilton, the founder of the Soul Care House, a group of therapists working in community with a shared perspective about the path towards healing and change. This podcast is about creating a space for real conversations about real life struggles, a place where you can gather insight and support for issues that are relevant to you and the people you love. So sit back, put your feet up, and let's talk. Hey, friends. Today's episode is a conversation I had with Leanna Tankersley, who is a writer and a speaker, all-around genius, and mm, pretty much my favorite. Um, We wanted to have a conversation today about growth and change and the idea of being emotionally healthy, what that looks like, what work it takes to do that, and why it's necessary. Um, One of the things that people often say to me is like, why do I have to focus on my feelings? Why can I not just ignore them and have fun? (laughs) I'm like, I know, I wish, right? I wish, I wish that worked. But I think what uh, we all experience is that in times of stress, the feelings are not actually on lockdown. Like they're coming up, there's a lot of intensity in the middle of something. And we ultimately do feel out of control of our feelings and we can pretend that they're not there for periods of time. But when the stressors get high, um, they're going to come out and they usually come out sideways in ways that feel pretty unproductive. So we thought we'd talk today about how do we, how do we press into that even though it's hard and not fun? Um, and sort of how do we develop almost like a philosophy of looking at like, mm. why do we have to do all of that? What's the benefit of all of that? And what am I trying to do in the middle of this messy stuff that I'm feeling? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're trying not to become a human wrecking ball, mm. right? <laughs> nice. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. think that's part of the reason why we're doing this is that yeah. just what you said, we think that that what's going on in our lives and how we're coping with it is just between us right. and ourselves. And it tends to be... Like you said, it comes out sideways and all of a sudden we're like, wow, why are my relationships blowing up? Why mm-hmm. is my health blowing up? Why mm-hmm. is, yeah. So yeah. we don't want to be a human wrecking ball. We sure don't. Mary Carr is one of my very favorite authors. Mm-hmm. She's, a mem- she's a poet, but probably better known for some of her memoirs. Mm-hmm. And she grew up in Texas in this um, chaotic household with a lot of alcohol and a lot of firearms. So like obviously Gosh. an awesome combination, right? <laughs> right. Super um, chill, super chill. <laughs> super chill. So um, as a result of de- having this super chaotic childhood, she developed some coping mechanisms, right, as an adult. Mm-hmm. And um, and then she sort of found herself, after she had her first child, in uh, um, an alcoholic, right? So she's in recovery. Okay. And then she finds herself in a mental institution. Wow. And she's like wow, I wonder if maybe my um, coping strategies aren't <laughs> quite as successful as I mm-hmm. thought that they were. And she, and she said, you know, I'm the type of person that would rather snort cocaine and make out with the FedEx guy than <laughs> occupy my pain, yeah. you know? And I was like, yeah, I mean, maybe we're not snorting cocaine and making out with the FedEx guy. Maybe we are. maybe we are are. and no judgment right but right (laughs) but she just realized like maybe my ways of dealing with um things are not working out as well as i had hoped yeah right yeah 
And I think a, a lot of us have those moments, right, where we're where it becomes very obvious that our strategies are not working. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember feeling that very clearly when I had two small kids and feeling like, gosh, my my life is actually pretty great. Like I have these kids that I love and have a lot of great things going on in my life. And yet I remember thinking, I can't feel anything. Mm. Wow. Uh, all I can feel is sort of this like low grade anger. Um, but I, I don't feel happiness. I don't really feel much joy. I don't really feel a lot of peace in my life. Mm. And I'm just like, I, I don't know why that is because my life would not suggest that I should be feeling as angry as I'm feeling. So I remember um, really sort of starting to come to terms with the fact that like there was something blocking me from experiencing really beautiful moments mm. um, and and something that would also easily tap into hard moments, right? Where, right. Um, you know, my strategy uh, when I'm not doing well is to be super crazy and angry. Like that's, I'm more likely to swing in that direction than to get... Um, you know, sort of quiet and hide away. Um, so I, I, it just became very clear to me that something was not right inside of me. And I didn't really know what the path was out of that. And I, I think I often hear, certainly oftentimes when clients come to therapy, they're in that kind of a place where they're like, I, I'm just not doing very well. Yeah. Like I should feel better. If I look at my life, I should feel better. And then sometimes life is going very badly. And so, of course, it makes more sense. But oftentimes people will feel like, I just I just don't know what's wrong inside of me. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like I'm a walking head, right? Yes, I'm not. Yes. In, I'm not in- integrated. Mm-hmm. I'm not embodied. And the facts of my life might suggest that there's actually some great things happening, but yeah. I'm not really able to experience that. And that's mm-hmm. a bummer. Right. 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 Or things are going very badly. And all I know how to do is numb mm-hmm. or escape. And I don't know how to s- occupy the reality of this pain or this grief or this yeah. disappointment. And um, and neither of those are, you know, just becoming a walking head. Right. I mean, I guess those are both ways that we would escape having to feel. Yeah. So, because um, sometimes I think you and I were talking about this, feelings can... Um, we can assume that they're going to be dangerous. Yes. They're dangerous. And it's yes. like there's this warning signal going off on our dashboard saying, stay away yeah. from the intensity of all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I hear clients say that as well all the time is this sense of like, I'm so afraid to tap into the deep pain that's inside there because I, I'm going to lose it, right? Like I'll, totally. I'm going to start to sob and I'll never stop. Yeah. And you know, I certainly relate to that feeling of like, if I tap into the fear and the powerlessness that's in there, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I think I I feel like I'm going to come apart. And I think what we see as we work with people is that there is a bit of a coming apart, but it doesn't look like they're afraid they're it's going to, it looks like grieving, Mm -hmm. sobbing. Um, It looks like being really sad. It looks like facing anger it looks like all of these things but usually it happens in waves right so like i might tap into something for a minute i'm gonna cry maybe maybe for 30 minutes i'm going to sob but at the end of that 30 minutes i'm actually going to feel better there's going to be a sense of relief of like something just got processed out i just i just emptied the tank a little bit and i feel a little better um even though i'm still real sad i feel 
less like I'm choking on the feelings. Yeah, right. And like I they're think, right. The way I think about it is like they're on my heels hmm. and I got to keep running or they're going to catch me. Yep. And then they're going to consume me. Yep. And um, that, that it, so then it feels very counterintuitive to stop and turn around towards them, right? Yes. Because they're dangerous. Yes. They're like the monster in the closet, right. you know? And so if I can just keep ahead of them, then I don't have to deal, but they're mm-hmm. on my heels. And that's not a way to live, right? Trying to outrun this stuff. But yes, it's very counterintuitive to say, actually, I'm going to stop. Last um, episode that you and I recorded together, we talked about how you said mm-hmm. to me, what if you just let the crash happen, right? Yeah. And that's part of the letting the crash happen is saying, if I turn toward all of these big feelings, I'm so afraid that I will never recover. Mm-hmm. And it's and so it's counterintuitive, but it's the only way through. Yeah. It's the yeah. only way through. And um, I think we're all, we have to we have to trust that. And some of right. us, maybe we just don't quite trust that that's the truth yeah. that our way and our way of coping <clears throat> is getting us through enough mm-hmm. that um i'm gonna keep i'm gonna keep using my own strategies and right. it's getting me through enough but it's not but then i all of a sudden realize actually i don't feel anything <laughs> yeah and I'm, I'm wandering around in circles and, yeah. so i think i think anytime you feel like you're wandering around in circles that's a signal it's like my strategies are not actually working for me because what what, you know what you and I find and what we find in our work as therapists with people is that when people do turn around and face the monsters um, what does happen is the sense of relief and the sense of moving forward even though it's hard even though at first you feel worse than you felt before what ultimately is coming is this sense of like I feel like I'm moving (laughs) through something right like something's actually healing well and Maybe this is just me, but I feel like um, I'm becoming more of an adult, yes. right? I'm not having to hide from every scary thing like perhaps a child would do, right? right? right. But I'm I'm actually, I'm building this muscle of resilience and being able to feel a hard thing and it's okay mm-hmm. and um, it, it's not going to kill me. Right. And it's somehow that... For me, that's like, okay, I'm I'm operating in my life as an adult would. Mm-hmm. I want to give an example of what we're talking about because maybe it'd be helpful yeah, to give a specific example. So a couple years ago, my youngest, Elle, who's now six, was in preschool. And she was doing great in preschool. We were having no problems. This is a preschool that my other two went to. And it was a very familiar, warm, loving place. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, Elle tells me one morning, I'm, I'm not going. I'm not going to preschool. And I kind of thought, oh, we'll get in the car. And we'll we'll fix her hair and put a cute hair bow in, and she'll go <laughs> she'll right. Change she'll, she'll change her mind, yeah. right? She's just tired, whatever. Yeah. We get there, and she has like a, a traumatic fit about mm. staying at this preschool, and everything in me in that moment is like a raw nerve ending. I am on fire, and I don't know how to deal with this situation. If I leave her. I will be abandoning her in this mm-hmm. like very traumatic moment. The teacher is telling me to leave her. Mm. Just leave her. Once you leave, she'll be fine. So hard. And um, But if I take her, I feel like I'm sort of telling her that, um, you know, yeah, you don't have to go to preschool anymore. Mm-hmm. And you just and you get to be the one in charge, right? You decide the right. days you go to preschool right. and, uh, based on how you're feeling, which yeah. that didn't feel like that was the best model either, right? right. And this went on... Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a couple mornings where I took where I took her back home. I just could not deal with it, and I felt inside myself these enormous feelings mm. and this enormous panic and this enormous freeze. And I felt like I I cannot I don't know how to deal with this. 
And um, I started writing because that's sometimes what I'll do to process what's going on inside me. I started writing, and um, I was like, I, I, if I, if I, if I leave her, I'm abandoning her in her moment of greatest need. And if I take her, I don't think I'm not being the adult in the situation. You know, I'm going through all of this. The next thing you know, all of a sudden, it occurs to me that I'm not actually writing about L. I'm mm. writing about this nine-year-old child inside of me who's yeah. scared and panicked and throwing a fit, and um, who I feel over-responsible for, and who I feel like I'm constantly needed to take care of and manage. And she screams so loud sometimes because she's in need, and mm-hmm. she's scared, and she doesn't know how to cope. And all of a sudden, I was kind of like, I wonder if that nine-year-old self is, in, is, is wanting to be in charge of this situation well. Right, right. She wants to make the decisions, you know? And if I don't start dealing with her first and talking to her, then um, all of my pain is going to be making these big decisions in my life. And that's not the parent I want to be. Yeah. That's not the caretaker I want to be. Um, and that's not me being a whole self, you know? But it was like this crazy moment of... Um, I'm not sure that's my adult self functioning and making decisions right Right. now. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, and I think anytime there's a lot of intensity, that's a signal that probably a younger part of me is in charge, right? Because... Don't leave me. Don't, you know, do not... Like grasping at me. Do not leave me. I've been left. Mm -hmm. Do not leave me again. You know, yes. And it's like all of a sudden... Yeah, I'm like a thousand raw nerve endings. It's yeah. like, okay, this is interesting. Yeah. What's going on here? Right, right. And maybe both you and Elle needed <laughs> to be there for each other for yeah. a little bit until things calmed down. It was a catalyst in me, actually. Um, I would say what I was doing is kind of just throwing that nine-year-old self on my back and carrying her through life and feeling like I have to make sure she's okay and secure and cared for. And, um, and instead I felt like the invitation was to take her down and look her in the eye and say, what does she have to tell you? Uh, But it's like, if I look at her, I'll, I will. Yeah. Her need and her pain will consume me. Yeah. That nine-year-old year is the year that my parents divorced. And I think that there's just this little, there's this little part of me that's still like, Oh, that was like such a hard thing. And it's frozen in that, right? And if I look at her and I listen to what she has to tell me, she'll consume me. But she's consuming me anyway, right? If I, that's the thing. And that's what I had to. I think that's the big lesson, right? Like, yeah, she's silently in charge. She's silently in charge. And that's worse than like, okay, let's, or that's, that's, that's less helpful. So that situation led me to realize when I get into a really intense situation, especially with my children, mm-hmm. because they can they can all of a sudden represent that young me, I can get incredibly triggered. Right. And um, I need to do some work around that. Yeah. And I think that's what parents experience a lot, right? Is that doing life over with your own children is going to bring up all of these old things that are oh. unresolved in us, our own powerlessness and our fear and our lack of having our needs met or what whatever yeah, our abandonment is, or whatever right? whatever we feel our loneliness yeah, yeah yeah and our our reactions to those things are really telling when our kids are freaking out our reactions to those are usually very grounded in what's going on inside our very young self right and so we're trying to solve a problem from back then yep. with how we're dealing with this rather than saying gosh 
I'm feeling a lot of intensity. I should probably figure that out. And I wonder what's going on with my kid. Like those are two separate things, right? And um, do I have the patience and the space in my own life to look at both of those things to say something's going on in me because I'm feeling such big feelings and something's going on with my kid. Yeah, and yeah, she's got something she needs to tell me too. Yes. And and the way that that all ended is exactly what you said. I said I just need to sit down with her and figure out. Let's just talk some more. What's really mm-hmm. going on when she's not hysterical, yes. right? Yeah. And so just to like provide closure for that story, I sat down with her when I was not trick when I was right. not hysterical and right. she was not hysterical. And I said, yeah. "What is going on?" Yeah. And she said, "I do not want to stay for lunch." And I said, oh, okay, this is about lunch. Did something happen? Did No, I just don't want to stay for lunch. And I said, mm. okay, well, tomorrow we won't pack you a lunch and you can go and not, and I'll come get you early. Not a single problem. There was no problem. <laughs> it was just that she didn't want to stay for lunch. Yeah. But, but in the morning when we were already there, somehow she couldn't totally articulate that because right. she had gotten so hysterical, yeah. right? And because she's four. And because, <laughs> right, because she's four, right? But yeah. if we can sit down when we're both a little more calm, yeah, yeah, and then and then we we came to a solution that worked well for both of us. That mommy so could still great. get her work done, right? Yeah. And Elle could go have a meaningful, fun time, you know, playing and coloring and being creative, but not getting you know triggered into this panic. Yeah, yeah, and then she could have more time with you or more space to herself or whatever she needed, right? Yeah. And she needed a little more control over her yeah. life, and you allowed her that. Yeah, you said, "Here's let's work on this together." Yeah. Right, and but it required me to not make if I were gonna, if I made that decision from that um, frozen, triggered, terrified, in pain part of myself, I would have made a very different decision, and it would have been to withdraw her from preschool, which mm. really wasn't the best decision for either of us. Right, um, but I would have just wanted to solve that. I wanted to would want to completely eradicate that feeling that was yeah. so intense, and yeah. that's what I would have done. I, and that's what I was about to do was to withdraw her from preschool mm-hmm. because I just didn't want to feel that anymore. Yeah, you know, and that was not the way through. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't actually a way to deal with what was really going on inside of me. And it was funny because I had other friends are like, "Oh yeah, she's just going through a boycott. All of our kids went through that. It's not a big deal." And I could tell for them, yeah. this whole thing represented something very different right. than it was representing for right. me. To your yeah. point, like yeah. it was hitting on something inside of me that was just um, raw. Mm-hmm. And so it was an invitation to have a meaningful conversation with L. Yeah. And it was an invitation to have a meaningful conversation with myself, yeah. you know, but that took, that took time. Right. Well, I think I love what you're saying about it was an invitation. And I, I think it'd be so helpful if we could see these things that way, right? Yeah. Like that what's going on, these intense feelings that I'm having, this problem that's going on in this relationship is an invitation into me understanding something more about myself to creating healing for something more within myself rather than what's wrong with you, right? Like what's, yeah. what's wrong with the other person or what's wrong with me. Um, so maybe maybe this is just an invitation. Yeah. To like there's something going on inside that needs some healing. And this is bringing that to the surface. And instead of getting all judgy about it, yeah. what if we just try to figure it out, yeah. sort it out a little bit? Yeah, I, I, you know, we talked last time too a little bit about that beautiful poem that um, talks about, um, we'll know we've been raised from the dead when every wall becomes a door. Mm. And it's that idea of like, we're going through these really hard things and we perceive them as a wall. Yeah. But what if they're a door and there's an invitation to cross this threshold into something that's really 
profound in our Mm -hmm. own story, but we just come to the wall and we say, it's too hard, forget it. And we turn around and walk the other way. Well, the choices we make when we turn around and walk away are not from our centered whole Mm -hmm. self. They're from our scared, wounded self, right? And there come a day, I think, where um, if if we're really brave, because I think that's part of what it comes down to, if we have the support and the courage, we'll realize this is an invitation, actually. And I don't have to like it. I can be scared. (laughs) Right. But it is an invitation into deeper healing. And if it's true that the truth will set me free, Mm-hmm. then I can, I, I can look at the truth. Yeah. Yeah. So not fun. Like I, I love that you said it's not fun because it sure is not, um, you know, you're telling that story. I was thinking about sort of one of my own like light bulb moments too. was like with, um, when my kids were little, I think Katie was four and Josh was like two or something and they were playing in the hallway. I can still, I can still see them there, which is so wild because it was over 20 years ago. And, um, I guess Josh was sort of like whacking Katie or something like he was just like being annoying to mm-hmm. her and she was sitting on the floor and crying and I said to her get up and move away from him just you know he's little he doesn't know what he's doing just yeah. walk away from him and she just for some reason couldn't do that she just couldn't get up and walk away and just kept sitting and crying and I kept telling her to get up and walk away and then all of a sudden I heard myself screaming at her get up and move away you are not helpless And I was like livid at her that she was acting helpless. And I thought, wow, this is clearly not about my four-year-old. This is, she's four years old. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's helpless. She's not sure how to negotiate having a brother. (laughs) Who's hitting her. (laughs) Who's hitting her. It's all a work in progress. Right. And, uh, but just noticing that, gosh, the intensity that is, that is coming out, out of me toward her is completely wrong Hmm. right like it's completely disproportionate it's completely unreasonable it's completely unfair but it's really about something like this is really about something and then you know sorting that out and recognizing gosh I'm actually really angry at myself Hmm. I'm angry at my little girl self who was in a situation um, with sexual abuse going on and what felt helpless and powerless and just and just was paralyzed. Yeah. And I'm really angry that I was paralyzed. I'm angry at myself. I'm angry at my parents that I was paralyzed. Yeah. Like all of that. It's like and none of that has anything to do with my four year old. But in that moment you're screaming at your young self saying, yes. You're not helpless. You're Get not out helpless. of this situation. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean that's a that's a really powerful example. It's a good yeah. note to self. It's like something really needs to get some attention. And I it feels so messy and can at the time convoluted, confusing. Um and thankfully about then was when I started to go to therapy for myself and started, you know, taking apart this experience and you know, I remember the therapist saying, um, you know, tell me about the sexual abuse. And I was like, well, I, I read a couple of books on that. So like, I've really got that figured out, right? Like, I don't, right. I don't think I actually need to talk about it. I just need to talk about why I feel angry all the time. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, she's like, I, th- I think maybe we need to explore that. And I just There's remember a feeling those like, things are connected. Yeah, yeah. I just remember feeling offended. Yeah. Right. Like, like what is she talking about? You? What does that have to do with anything? Yeah, it's, right? Yeah, such a good example. So su- it was yeah. such, you know, so when, when clients are in those spaces, I'm like, I get it, man. I so get, like, 
not understanding that those things are connected, being aware that something is really off, but no idea what, and then having a lot of resistance to the thing that is actually really yeah. off. Yeah. Right. And having a lot of resistance to the the help that you need to move through it. Yes. Well, yeah. I, I think too, so just a practical thing um, is often you'll just feel this in your body, right? Mm-hmm. You're just, you're feeling this like you're having this reaction that it's, it's almost physiological, yes. right? All of a sudden you're like sweating or your heart is pounding yes. or you feel panicked or you feel like um, you're gritting your teeth or you all of a sudden you look down and you're like, why are my hands in a, like, why are my mm. hands, why, why do I have fists right now? You know, or like, why are my shoulders up to my ears right now? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, wow, I'm kind of, my body is telling me, my body's having a trauma response or my body's having a stress response or, you know, my body's trying to tell me, this feels like something else, yeah. you know? And so that's also something that you can watch for is like, it, when you're having these dis- disproportionate reactions, is my body on fire? Mm-hmm. And that can often be a clue. Yeah. My body's not even here right now. It's in a different place experiencing something else yes. that was traumatic and paralyzing and all of yep. these things. Yeah. And my body's acting as if this is happening right now, right, right here, right now. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's like, it's it's that feeling of, can I have enough compassion for myself in the moment instead of judgment to mm. say... Oh, oh, babe. Oh, friend. Yeah. Oh, sweetheart. Yeah. You're really, um, this is real tough. Right. Let's get you some help. Right. Little lamb. Right. <laughs> right? You're needing a lot of chocolate cake, and maybe we just need to step away from the chocolate cake <laughs> and figure <laughs> out. Put down the Sauvignon on. Blanc <laughs> and the Doritos, okay? There is no solution no. in a bag of chips and a bottle of white wine. That will not create a solution. Right? Exactly. No. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The FedEx guy and the cocaine, they're just, that's not what you ultimately need. Right. Yeah. Right. Let's talk about the identity piece of that. Like, it can feel like when you when you press into these things and you feel sort of a coming undone and you're aware of like, oh my gosh, I've got all this stuff that's unprocessed and... I'm a bit of a wreck, and yeah, we're going to be a bit of a wreck for a while. There's a temptation to define this mm. as us. Yeah. Like, this is who I am. I'm a wreck. I'm a mess. I'm pathetic. Mm-hmm. I'm weak. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, whatever, right? Yeah. As soon as you start to press into these hard things, you're going to say terrible things to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they're not parts of your story that you're particularly fond of, usually. Right. Which is why you've been avoiding them forever. Wow. We're really doing something here. <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. First of all, I think it's helpful to think about it this way. Um, this has helped me. When some of these paralyzing, traumatizing things happen to us, uh, usually we were young mm-hmm. and usually we weren't consulted. Yes. Nobody stopped by our bedroom yes. and said, is it okay with you if we go bankrupt? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it okay with you if we move across the country do you mind the fact that, um, you know, our house is going to burn down? Mm-hmm. Is that is that cool with you? Yeah. You know, uh, is it cool with you if um, if one of your parents passes away early? Right. You know, so all these very tra- traumatizing things happen and we just weren't consulted. They just happened to us. And yeah. that's hard. Right. And so we develop a lot of coping strategies because of these things that have happened to us. And we weren't consulted. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't particularly our fault that a lot of these things happened in our story, right? right? But then we become an adult who is now consulted on how we're going to handle them. 
And one of the things that, so I think that, first of all, that's important is that we now have a choice in the matter. We didn't then, Mm -hmm. now we do. And so we can have grace and compassion for ourselves then because we, um, it wasn't our choice. It wasn't up to us, right? right? Now it is. Um, And so we look back and we realize, yeah, these are things that happened to us, but they are not us, Mm -hmm. right? There's this part of us that is, uh, part of me and a part of you and a part of everyone listening that's just untouchable. I love that. That we can't jack up, that other people aren't going to be able to jack up, no matter the most hideous things that have happened to us. It's just an untouchable part of us. Mm-hmm. It's just what, you know, maybe you call it this image-bearing piece, or it's the gold inside of you, or it's that, um, it's your soul. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different ways we could describe this part of us that's just, I just don't think... But I don't think we realize that. I don't think we realize that um, there's a part of us that the world cannot get its grubby mitts on. Yeah. And that's our true self. It's who we really are. And it's above and beyond and below and outside of all of this. Yeah. And that's a part of our story, right? And a part of who we're becoming. But there's also this... There's this piece of us mm-hmm. that's us before any of this. Yeah. And it's so resilient. It's like, why Why is it that human beings are so wired to keep trying, right? Like yeah. we, we're always coming up with like new goals for ourselves. Like, you know, the new year is a great example yeah. of that. Yeah. Like, why is it that we have like a whole culture around, I want to make my life better this yeah, year. Self-improvement, right? Yeah, self-improvement, right? Yeah. There's yeah. a part of us that will not give in and will not give up, even yeah. though certainly there are moments when we're like, oh, screw it. Like, I'm never going to be free of this or I'm never going to be, Yeah, I'm never going to be who I want to be, right? Yeah. But there is also this other part, which is what I think the part that you're talking about, the soul piece or the image bearing piece or um, the divine spark inside of us, whatever we want to call that, that is always emerging out of the dark and saying, this is not it. This is not the end mm. of your story. This is not the best description of who you are. This is not the total um, picture of who you are. There's so much more. And I want you to keep pressing toward finding that part of you, to returning Beautiful. to that part of you, right? Yeah. And so we just keep waking up on a Monday morning saying, you know, it's a fresh week. Yeah, or, yeah. Um, it's a fresh moment. And, you know, you talk in, in your latest book, Begin Again, about this idea of like, Every moment is an opportunity to begin again. Yeah. And that part of being a human means really embracing that as a fact of your life, that every moment is an opportunity to begin again. And I think it's that, you know, it's that really um, precious part of us, that gold inside of us that keeps calling us to, oh yeah, here's another moment, here's another moment, here's a moment to press in. We can turn away, we can freeze, we can get paralyzed, we can run, or... Yeah, we can respond to this invitation, like, "What's going on inside of me? What's what's this all about? All this business?" I love that. I I think too, um, we can we can either invest in our image, mm-hmm. or we can nurture our identity. And I don't. I think those, you know, it's image or identity. That's good. 
And a lot of our... Maybe that's the title of your next book. <laughs> Image versus Image identity. versus oh, identity. I kind of love that. But I think that's something we have to kind of get clear on, that our, a lot of our coping strategies are about uh, uh, about keeping up on our image, yeah. you know, the upkeep of our image yeah. and who we want to present to the world. And a lot of what mm-hmm. we're talking about in facing our pain and healing is, is not being quite so invested in all these coping strategies and in projecting an image of ourselves. But it's about unearthing and nurturing this identity, right? Like, right. actually, it's already there. It's what you're saying. Yes. I need to return to it. I've layered a lot of stuff on top of it because I wasn't consulted and mm-hmm. I had to survive in this world. Mm-hmm. Perhaps now those things aren't serving me like they once were. Right. Could I let? And they're, they're standing between me and the people I love or me and my spiritual journey or me and myself. So maybe I need to stop serving my image and I need to start nurturing my identity more. Yeah. And um, I think that's exactly what we've kind of really been talking about this whole time is that instead of spending so much time trying to cope with these dead-end strategies, could we actually just face the pain? And it's not yeah. easy, you know, yeah. and um, and let go of, burn, you know, burn it down. <laughs> burn down burn some of down. these. Um, yeah, talk about burn it down. Yeah, I, I love just, that. I think that's what we're saying is there's an invitation here to let go of these things that we're serving that are no longer serving us. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, the Doritos and Sauvignon Blanc are pretty awesome in the moment. Right. But long-term, all it does is just take me away from my life, take me away from yeah. my life, take me away, floating away, floating away, mm. numbing, numbing, numbing. And yeah, that's awesome in the moment. You know, it doesn't solve anything. And, right. the, and the next day, I just feel worse. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so we got to burn down some of that. And, and there's nothing inherently wrong with, you know, nacho cheese Doritos, hello. <laughs> but <laughs> there's something that's just not productive about continuing yeah. to um, use those as coping mechanisms instead of instead of grieving. Man, right. I, man, I'm going through something in my life right now that like triple sucks. Triple sucks. And I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal right. with how hard it is. And so I'm going to just numb all that mm. out. I'm going to drown it. Yeah. And it's going to take... It's going to take so much longer. Like the more I put off processing the feelings, mm. the longer this is going to take me to get through it. So what if I just bite the bullet yep. and press in yep. and just face what I need to face and say what I need to say, and grieve what I need to grieve, and then I can actually move on. I can. I, there's this beautiful poet, Nayara Wahid, and um, she had, she's all over Instagram, so maybe you guys have heard of her, but she had, she has this one line that says, grieve. So you can feel the freedom to feel something else. Oh, you know, and it's like great. Kind of great. You know, yeah. it's like you grieve so that you, so that you can feel joy, right? So that you can feel peace. So that you can feel present. Yeah, all the things we're longing to feel. Yeah, but we don't want to do the work. We don't want to burn down all this other mm. stuff to get down to the gold. So, mm. yeah, I don't think that that's. Uh, I don't think this is an easy. Uh, I don't think it's easy. Right. But, Right. Yeah, I was just thinking, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about like just this week, you know, sort of um, something that happened with our team, like a conflict that happened that was really generated by um, the way I responded to a situation. And it the situation tapped into me feeling unseen or unknown, mm-hmm. right? And for me, that's a big trigger, right? Mm-hmm. When I look at my childhood there's this deep sense of isolation of like this terrible stuff is happening in front of people that say they love me 
and no one is paying any attention. No one is standing up for me. No one is protecting me. No one is on my side. No one is seeing me. Yeah. No one's in this with me. No one's in this with me. And so I think even today, even on my team, when I have these moments where I feel alone, like no one can see how hard something is for me. I can respond if I'm not paying attention, I'm going to respond badly. Yeah. And it's going to come out harsh or sudden or um, unprocessed, right? And then what happens is the whole team, because I'm, you know, surrounded by super intuitive people, mm-hmm. it's like they're not going to miss a thing. It's like <laughs> something just went sideways with Elaine, right? <laughs> like, oh, what was that about? Dang it. And then, and then what happens is because we have these conversations at this level, it's like everyone's like, well, when, when you did that, it triggered my stuff, oh right? So yeah. We're, yeah. we're all pinging each other. Yep. And this is happening with everyone. It's just a matter of like, do we have the self-awareness to talk about these things? And, you know, so, so then I have to clean up this mess that I've made, right? Like my own, I wasn't on top of the feeling. Yeah. And I responded before. I took a moment to go, oh gosh, I'm having some intense feelings. And then that led to this whole domino effect of triggering everybody else's yeah. stuff. And then we have to have all these conversations to yep. process all of that. And I have to keep saying, I'm sorry. I I lost my mind. I expressed that badly. I'm sorry oh. for triggering you, right? It's like, well, the more work I do on myself, the more self-aware I become, the less often I'm going to have to clean up a mess that I make. Yeah. Yeah. And We're that, not a human wrecking ball as much anymore, right? right? Yeah. Yes. 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 And yeah. that that's actually very helpful because it's so much work to clean yeah. up the mess. It's so much work. Such a good example. And uh, you have a team that's invested mm. in um, restoring the mess. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we're in relationships where uh, we're with a partner or something that it's it, it's going to, over time, that person may not have as, as much um, invested interest in helping us right. come back together, right? And there's right. just, or with a child or whatever it is, or and there's damage, damage, damage. And, you know, we're not trying to do that, but all of a sudden we've eroded trust in a relationship uh-huh. or we've... Um, our stuff is now the the third member of this relationship. Mm, that's a good way know? to say it. And yeah. um, we didn't realize how big of a, a, a role our stuff is playing. And, you know, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big deal. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's lovely to feel uh, what it feels like to have processed things with someone you love and to have that sense of like relief of like, oh, okay, that got repaired. Yeah. And now we can move on. And we can do this with our kids and with our partners and our um, friends. It's just, we can say, hey, I lost my mind there. That wasn't actually about you. Yeah. That was about me and take responsibility for the part that's me. And that can create repair. And that's just so much better than having it sitting there and sitting there and sitting there. Well, what I find is there's all these knots inside of us, right? And as we begin to realize what they're about, Mm -hmm. they just start to kind of go slack. And so we're not always in these situations where we're feeling intense. We have, we're feeling intense or tense. Yeah. And all of a sudden, all these knots in us are going slack. And it's like, yeah, if something goes sideways, I can repair it. And I know what that's about for myself. And you know, I don't have to start packing a bag and screaming like a lunatic. Mm-hmm. You know, I I can I, I can handle I can move through things. Yeah. Going back to this is just striking me about going back to the image and identity piece, um, and all these coping strategies that we were talking about and how they're getting in the way. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember this moment where I felt like God was saying to me, 
and this was around the burn it down thing. Mm. Like you've got to burn down some of these, you know, trying to keep everyone happy and trying oh, to make yeah. peace with everyone. And, yeah. and even to the point of like allowing people to get away with their own bad behavior just to yes. keep the peace. And it's costing everyone around them mm-hmm. and it's costing you, but you don't want to say anything because you're just so invested in keeping the peace and being liked. Yeah. And God saying to me, oh, burn that, burn it down, burn yep. it down. Like these are not, this is not getting you anywhere. And then mm-hmm. I feel like God was saying to me, and, and maybe this is God for you. Maybe this is like your, your deep intuition, whatever this voice is, that's like that centered voice, that wise centered voice that exists beyond mm-hmm. you and your crazy town, you know? Right. right. And I remember for me, God saying to me, you don't have to be afraid of being who you are anymore. Mm. It's enough. So beautiful. It's enough. Yeah. Like you don't need all this. Let's start. Let's return to this part of you that um, is who you really are. And let's nurture that and invest in that. And it's enough. Nice. That's another great book title. It's enough. It's enough. You're enough. I mean, I'm kind of on fire with the book titles right now. (laughs) Yeah, you are. Is someone (laughs) taking notes? Because I feel like we're going to (laughs) need, we're going to need these. We're going to forget and we're going to need these. And your eyeshadow looks so good today. Wow. Well, (laughs) it's the same one I always wear. Oh, what is it? It's MAC something taupe. Something taupe. Something taupe, everyone. Um, It's something mm -hmm. taupe. It's got enough purple Mm -hmm. in it that I think it brings the green out of my eyes. It sure does. It sure um, does. You know. I mean, these are little just like bonus tidbits. Satin taupe. Satin taupe. Satin taupe. Excuse me. Love it. Satin taupe. Yeah. I think um, one thing I want to say really quick. Besides about eyeshadow. Besides my eyeshadow. Okay. Although, I mean, I've worn this eyeshadow for like a decade and all of a sudden I've been getting compliments on it. What What, What does that mean? What does that mean? I don't know. Okay. I think it means you're getting more beautiful. Whoa. As you're getting older. Wow. I think that's actually true. It's true. Thank you. Wow. It's really tender. Gosh, I'm going to hang out here more often. Well, you should. Um, Scared Sacred. Scared Sacred. Talk about that. So all the things that we're talking about right now, like if you feel like your hands Mm. are sweating while you're listening, it's like even hard to listen to us talk about this because it's just like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do what they're talking about. Right. I just, I I, I noticed this recently. Um, So I was typing into my computer the word scared and I transposed the A and the C and scared and it makes the word sacred. Mm-hmm. And um, your computer doesn't pick up that that's a typo because it's not a typo, right? Right. It, and so I was going back through and I read this sentence and the word sacred was in the sentence instead of the word scared. And um, it just stopped me. And maybe this is just my weird thing with like words and language and stuff. But I was like, isn't that true in life that sometimes... We're scared to cross that threshold. Yeah. We're scared to do the thing we know we need to do. Like right. we have we have like one ounce of courage and we're scared. But often when we are scared, it can mean that we're on sacred ground, you know, mm-hmm. that we're in sacred territory mm-hmm. and it's a sacred invitation. And so, you know, that phrase, sometimes you just have to do it scared. Right. And so, I don't know, I just think about that scared, sacred, scared, sacred. Like sometimes the, the, the work in my life that I'm most afraid to do is probably some of the most sacred work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, um, there's something beautiful in that. Wow. That's a lot of genius stuff. Whoa. Mm-hmm. You're a lot of genius stuff, just so you know. <laughs> okay, before we close, what I want to say is that, guys, 
Leanna's latest book just came out. I meant I referenced it a little bit ago. Begin again. It'd be real good to do yourself a favor and get that if you haven't already. Um, and then also, I think a lot of the stuff we've been talking today are are also ideas from your book right before that, Brazen. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's another one before that and another one before that. So get them all. <laughs> it's like a, I was going to say a trilogy, but four is, what do, what do you call it if it's mm, what four? Do four? I don't know a what you call it. A box set. No, I don't, <laughs> know. <laughs> I don't know what you call it. <laughs> so get them all. Um, uh, but anyway, I'm, uh, I know that you're working on the next thing and can't wait to see what that is. And thanks for sitting at my dining room table and talking about really hard stuff with your gorgeous eyeshadow on. Thank you for inviting me over and serving me coffee in a beautiful mug. You bet. I love being with you. Right back at you. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, Just wanted to let you know about a workshop we have coming up in our barn. Um, If you live in San Diego, uh, we've been doing a series of workshops for helpers. So the next one is happening May the 18th, a Friday night from 7 to 9. Um, I'll be leading that, and we'll be talking about... um, working with the idea of boundaries. And many of us who are helper types uh, struggle with knowing when and how to take time and space for ourselves to take care of our own needs. So we're gonna talk about why this is particularly hard for us and we'll explore some tips on how to make that happen in your very busy life. So that's happening May the 18th, $35. You can register for that on our website, soulcarehouse.com. We'd love to hear from you. Any questions or comments you have, if there are topics you'd like us to address, let us know. Feel free to contact me at elaine at soulcarehouse.com. If you're interested in knowing more about what we do here at Soul Care, our website is soulcarehouse.com. And you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle there is soulcarehouseandbarn. Talk to you soon.